KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is Press Play on 89.9 KCRW. I'm Madeline Brand. Time for film reviews this week. We have a hefty dose of 90s nostalgia and low-budget chills and thrills. With us now is our A-list expert on B-movie horror, William Bibiani, <laughs> film critic and co-host of the Critically Acclaimed Network. Hello, Bibbs. I've never, I've never been more honored by an intro. Thank you. <laughs> We also have our first-timer, Monica Castillo. She's a freelance film critic who's written for the New York Times, The Village Voice, and RogerEbert.com. She's also a senior film programmer at the Jacob Burns Film Center in New York. Welcome, Monica. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. All right, first up, we have The Taste of Things. It stars Juliette Binoche as an esteemed cook who has a long relationship with her boss, who is played by Benoit Magimel. Nous passons plus de temps ensemble que bien des époux. Je vous le demande encore, Jim. Marion. Combien de fois encore allez-vous me poser cette question Uh, how many times will you ask me this question? He says to her, we spent more time together than married spouses. He asks her to marry him, and she says, how many times are you going to ask me this question? Bibs, food and love, they go together. It's Valentine's (laughs) Day coming up. What did you think? Yes. Uh, I absolutely love uh, The Taste of Things. Uh, the, full disclosure, this was my number one film of last year. Oh. Uh, it is finally opening wide. And uh, although there were a lot of amazing films last year, this is the one that left me, like, my soul feeling completely nourished, fittingly enough. Uh, it stars uh, Juliette Pinoche and Benoit Magimel. She's a cook. She, uh, he's her employer. They are both uh, culinary experts. Uh, and the, uh, the first chunk of the film is just them cooking this incredibly elaborate, wonderful meal using the same uh, kitchen and implements that they would have had about 150 years ago. And they've been uh, lovers for many, many years, but she still values their independence. She has a great bit about how like it, it, now every night you come to my door and I could lock it if I wanted to. And I feel like if I got married, I couldn't, which is a great mm. tale of her independence. She early in the film uh, uh, gets sick and they don't know how serious it is. And the majority of the movie is him realizing that he's never cooked for her. And so he decides to show her how much he loves her through food. It is an absolutely enchanting film. The cinematography is uh, luscious and it makes all the food look extra delicious. Um, it is full of incredible detail for people who do care about culinary delights. It's romantic. It's a bit sad. It has a truly wonderful ending, which of course I won't spoil, but this to me in, in a really, really good year for cinema has been one of the highlights and I would recommend it to literally anybody. Wow. I have never heard you give such a fulsome review. Uh, well, I guess it was due. Really incredible. I guess it was due. <laughs> Monica, I uh, read that the food in this is real. It looks like they're actually cooking these meals. And I guess it was uh, designed by a three-star chef and prepared on set by a chef. So beyond the the love part of it, do you really kind of get into the food porn part of it? Oh, absolutely. And I would second everything that William said previously. I mean, the word that I use to describe this film is scrumptious. Mm. Every little bit of it, because from the food to the exchange glances, like everything just makes you feel something. You're really alive when you're watching this film. The golden cinematography, the setting, the costumes, the details. Ah, I'm I finished watching the movie and already wanted to go back into that world again. It was that delicious. Who's the director? 
It's directed by Trang Ung Hung, and he also directed The Scent of Green Papaya, which now I'm dying to see after seeing this film. This is actually my uh, first film of his that I've had the chance to see. But I mean, what an incredible impression. Even if you're not familiar with his previous work, how could you not fall in love with this particular movie? Yeah, this movie actually has an interesting bit of trivia attached to it, actually, because Anatomy of a Fall is a French film that has been, you know, nominated for a whole bunch of Academy Awards. And it wasn't submitted for Best International Feature because every country only gets to submit one. And everyone was like, oh, why wouldn't they submit Anatomy of a Fall? What, what are you what are you nuts? And uh, then it turns out they submitted this movie. And while this wasn't nominated, having seen this movie, I can say I totally get it, actually. This movie's incredible. All right. The Taste of Things in Select Theater is beginning today. Next up, we have Lisa Frankenstein, a love story about a teen and her corpse crush. It's written by Diablo Cody, who wrote Juno and the United States of Tara. And here's a clip. Are you hot burning me? Lisa! Does he have more of a basketball bod or a football bod? He doesn't play sports. I tend to his grave. I talk to him. I wish I was with you. That's really weird, Lisa. <laughs> okay, Monica, this is directed by Zelda Williams. It stars Catherine Newton as Lisa. And I guess it's kind of inspired by a mashup of of Lisa Frank's cute animal neon designs from the 80s and 90s, and of course, Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And tell us more about what's going on here. I will say, I kind of wish there was a little bit more Lisa Frankness in it, but it is very colorful and very kitschy. It's a uh, very strange, offbeat, sort of Winona Ryder in the 80s-esque um, coming-of-age story. It's actually billed as a coming-of-rage story because Lisa here is a misunderstood teen who, when mourning the death of her uh, mother, um, you know, finds herself in a really not great situation with a new evil stepmom and not quite fitting in in school. And then she really longs to be with this long dead 19th century bachelor. And when she wishes that on a dark and stormy night, lo and behold, he comes alive and they embark on this really silly but charming but funny um journey of love and finding missing body parts it is making fun of those like john hughes kind of teen comedies but also taking a little fun at like twilight because you're falling in love with one of the universal monsters um i overall had a lot of fun with it i know it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea diablo cody may not be everybody's cup of tea but this is like maybe her nicest movie, um, considering Juno, Jennifer's Body, you know, Young Adult. All of those movies tend to have like a little bit of a darker edge. And this one's just funny all the way to the production design and the aqua and pinks of the late 80s are really just everywhere. It's just making fun and having a laugh at this era, at this genre, at this time. And I do want to single out Catherine Newton doing a phenomenal physical performance. Um as Lisa, she, you know, tr goes through this transformation of being the shy, awkward, misfit teen to really coming into her own and coming like a sort of Madonna slash Cindy Lauper slash Winona Ryder and Beta Juice mm -hmm, <laughs> hybrid mm -hmm. and, you know, has her own coming of age moment. Um, it's really just 
fun and funny. And there's a lot of callbacks to a bunch of different movies, like I just mentioned. Do you think um, Mary Shelley, if she were alive today and had maybe a Lisa Frank sticker or two in her bedroom, would approve? Oh, I'm not sure. That might be... It might be having maybe too much fun with the source material, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> I, I, for one, enjoyed it. All right. Lisa Frankenstein in theaters in wide release beginning today. Next up this week, we have a low-budget horror movie starring multi-award-winning actors Terrence Howard and Cuba Gooding Jr. This one is called Skeletons in the Closet. Uh, I'm here because I'm concerned about somebody. Cancer. All right, Bibbs, you are our horror expert. And first of all, tell us what's going on with the plot before you give us your thumbs up or down. Oh, that is a great question, actually. Um, Because I'm not sure this movie is fully aware either. But uh, (laughs) the the gist of it is uh, Terrence Howard is the father of... Uh, a little kid and little kid has had uh, cancer in the past and the cancer has returned and has returned quite rigorously and it's life-threatening and it's immediate. And unfortunately he just lost his job. Uh, They do not have the $50,000 that they need to begin treatment in order to save their child's life. So naturally they're very desperate. Uh, He turns to uh, his brother played by Cuba Gooding Jr. And his brother said, I know a guy, he can get you the money. And so he goes to the guy and he gets the money. And then Cuba Gooding Jr. says, Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention initially, um, if you don't get him the money back in one week, he will kill your wife and daughter. And parents said, I was like, you could have mentioned this yesterday, but he didn't. <laughs> and now they're really extra, extra screwed. And so they turn to a magician or a wizard played by Udo Kier, the great Udo Kier, only person in this movie who seems to be having fun. Uh, and he says, yeah, I can perform a horrifying magical spell and it will destroy you and your family and curse everything. But at least your daughter might live for a bit. And Terrence Howard's like, sure. This is the latest uh, exclusive release on Shudder, which is a uh, streaming service that caters specifically to the horror genre, first and foremost. And they release a new uh, film or TV show every single week. And generally speaking, one of the things I love about Shudder is that they are great curators. They generally have excellent taste. And even if a movie that debuts on that service isn't amazing, it's usually at least very, very interesting. That's what I said until this week. Mm. Uh this week, I have to amend that a little bit and just say, well, Poe, but he's nerfed because Skeletons in the Closet, despite a very good cast, Terrence Howard even co-wrote the thing. It is weirdly incompetent. Like the, it's the visual effects are embarrassing. The editing isn't very good. The acting is all over the place. The story is simultaneously way too simple and weirdly confusing. It is not an effective chiller in any meaningful way this might be a good irony watch Mm. like if you want to go like (laughs) they tried uh but it's unfortunately it's not entertaining on its own merits and even someone who has a soft spot for the entire horror genre i can't really recommend this one okay monica what about you Oh, I'm going to have to fully agree there as well. I think I, I'm looking at my notes right now and it says, not sure why this movie exists. Uh, I'm not sure the movie <laughs> knows why it exists because it, yeah, it has the same, you know, sort of uh, story issues. It was interesting that they were trying to bring in the legend of Santa Muerte, but end up not really doing too much with it. And that was like a very weird tacked on 
you know, aspect. It it just really felt kind of thrown together. And I yeah, how do you misuse Udo Kier? Uh, that seemed like you dropped the ball. Hmm. All right, we're going to keep this one in the closet then. Skeletons in the Closet, available on Shudder. Last, we have Suncoast. This is a coming-of-age debut film by writer-director Laura Chin. It stars Laura Linney, Woody Harrelson, and Nico Parker. I think I should start sleeping at Suncoast so your brother doesn't get too lonely. He's my child. When he's in pain, I'm in pain. I'm your child, too. What about God's sake, give me a break. You can come to my house if you need a place to party. My mom won't be there, and you can do whatever you want. Oh, my God, I, I have to tell everybody. Um... Uh, who, who are you? All right, Monica, there you have a teenager whose mother is consumed by the sickness of her other kid, uh, this this girl's brother. And tell us more. Yeah, so it's directed by Laura Chin, who based this on her own personal story. Her, bro- her older brother uh, did pass away of brain cancer back around that time. So in the film, Nico Parker plays the teen you know, yearning to be her own independent person. And she has to fight against her mom's very strong wills and wishes. And her mom played by Laura Linney. And while visiting her brother, who's dying in hospice, um, that's where Terry Schiavo also happens to be. And you have this bigger conversation of, yeah, what was going on around the Terry Schiavo case in Florida at that time. And uh, that's the activist that Woody Harrelson plays. it's very interesting because I'm also from that area in Florida and I very much remember the Terry Schiavo case. And f- and for people who don't re- know or remember, this is a case of a woman who was basically brain dead, but kept alive for a long time. There was a big legal battle over that. Yeah, it was a battle between her husband and her family to whether or not to end or continue her life. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've loved Laura Chin's previous uh, TV work, Florida Girls, and I think she has a lot of love and affection for, you know, our hometown back in the east side of Florida. But I I love the personal story aspect of Suncoast. I don't know that I fully think that it, it gels as well with the overarching thing that is happening, the media circus that's going around uh, with Terry Schiavo and the activist played by Woody Harrelson that feels a bit odd. Whereas I, you know, was fully plugged in for uh, Nico Parker versus Laura Linney in their scenes because they're just, they're so emotional and they're so good together. And I would have just watched the whole movie from their perspective um, without having to engage in the larger, you know, cultural argument about it because it seems like it gets brought up and then gets pushed back away for the personal stuff. And I, I wish it found its footing a little bit better. Bibbs, what'd you think? Uh, you know, I, I, I see Monica's point and I agree to an extent. I, I will say that uh, there were parts of this movie that hit me very hard due to some personal experience. And as a result, I ugly cried at least three times. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I will not be able to say that the movie doesn't have a powerful emotional impact. And I think um, that the central uh, relationship uh, between Laura Lenny and Nico Parker is really quite lovely. And I actually think that the way that it depicts people who have been, uh, you know, pushed beyond their limits by circumstances that they, you know, they're they're willing to undertake because they have to care for someone that they love, but it also takes a toll, especially over time. And the way that Laura Lenny's, you know, 
dedicated her entire adult life for for many many years to uh, caring for a child who was this uh, uh ill and the way that nika parker's character has had to sacrifice her childhood for that purpose and how they are not really meeting anywhere in the middle is i think really genuine and i think really really tragic the way that the movie incorporates terry shivo is and and one could argue that this is maybe a little crass that it is it is a bit of a backdrop and i think it exists to try to put the audience in a position where they can, if they don't have any personal experience with this kind of end of life care, uh, to remind them of a situation in which they probably did have a strong opinion uh, and maybe put a more human face on all angles of that. And I think this movie does a pretty admirable job of exploring the different perspectives on end of life care without being particularly judgmental either way, but in a way that if you do have a strong opinion one way or another, uh, isn't offensive to the sensibilities. So um, that's a pretty delicate tightrope walk, but one could again argue that even getting on that tightrope was uh, a choice. Yeah. Regardless, at the end of the day, I love the performances and I, I think the emotional core of it is deeply strong. Well, Laura Lenny's always good, right? Always, always. And Woody Harrelson is usually entertaining. He's always Woody Harrelson, which I appreciate. <laughs> That's damning with faint praise. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he, he's, he's clearly cast here to play a Woody Harrelson type. And he does a great job of it. And that's fine. He did his job that week. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think you did your job admirably as well this week. Thank you. You are welcome. Suncoast is in select theaters today and available streaming on Hulu beginning Friday. That does it for this week. William Biviani, film critic and co-host of the Critically Acclaimed Network. Monica Castillo, freelance film critic and senior film programmer at the Jacob Burns Film Center in New York. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. KCRW sponsors include Make It Universal and Rotten Tomatoes, presenting Scene on the Screen with Jacqueline Coley, a new podcast about the people at NBC Universal and the movies that define them. Available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.